0: 1460 WVOL
1: basketball radio show here on WVOX, 1460 AM, my favorite radio station. I'm the host, Jim Massano. We're going to have another fun show for you tonight. we got three really great guests calling in. At 810, Derek Howard from SB Unfurled. That's a St. Bonaventure blog podcast website. At 820, Patrick Madden from the Big Big East blog, who does some excellent work covering the Big East Conference. And at 8.30, Mike Surrett, calling from the Providence Crier, covers Providence basketball. So we have a lot of really good guests. And let me jump right into some issues before the callers start. Uh, Feast Week was last week. Uh, Feast Week is a bunch of tournaments over Thanksgiving week. I could do a whole hour show on Feast Week. I'm going to pull out three quick games in the three minutes I have before the first caller calls in. Number one, Did you see Dayton beat Kansas? Did you see Dayton beat Kansas? It was the most crazy last-second shot where Mustafa Amzil kind of dribbled around the court as the clock was running down, just kind of threw the ball up at the net. It bounced around the rim on the backboard and fell in for Dayton to beat one of the best teams in the country, Kansas, 74-73. It was one of those shots that if it happened there in March Madness, the NCAA tournament, people all over the country would be talking about it. Next, locally, Iona College beats Alabama. I'm going to talk about that with Kenny from Rye later in the show. But Iona beats Alabama, 72-68. Alabama, who beat them last year in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Iona got even with Alabama under Rick Patino. Huge win. Second biggest win in the history of Iona College basketball. If you ask me what number one was, that was February 21st, 1980, when Iona beat Louisville at Madison Square Garden, 77-60. to 60. Uh, That's the biggest win. This past Thursday on Thanksgiving night when they beat Alabama, that's the second biggest win. They beat number 10, Alabama. All right, the third game I quickly want to touch on. Duke beat Gonzaga. These are clearly two of the very best teams in the nation. It was a terrific basketball game on Friday night, late. Started like 10.30. Duke over Gonzaga, 84-81. Great game. If you watched it, you would have really enjoyed it. A couple of the factors that mattered in the game. Turnovers. Uh was a big advantage for Duke. 17 Gonzaga turnovers, only 8. For Duke, uh, the turnovers probably decided the game. Although, in rebounds, Gonzaga out-rebounded Duke. But a couple of things I want to mention on this game before we take our first caller. There was so much talent on the court. These very well may be the two best teams in the nation. Uh, Pancaro and Holmgren are the two-star freshmen that were in the game. But I thought the key... Everybody was talking about the freshmen, but I thought the key to Duke's win was the continued improvement of sophomore Mark Williams, who had 17 points, nine rebounds, and five blocks, and junior Wendell Moore, 20 points, six rebounds, six assists. The reason I'm pointing out these two upperclassmen for Duke, who were the two best players on the floor for Duke after uh, Banchero had cramps. Uh, These are guys that were big recruits, four and five star recruits that didn't do so great with Duke in their first couple of years. They stayed. They did the player development with Coach K. And here they are leading Duke to upset number one Gonzaga. We've talked all year about continuity. Duke won that game because of continuity. Their two senior players made the difference. Uh, Great basketball game. Uh, Duke won that one. But I think both Duke and Gonzaga are very alive to win the national championship this year. All right, Chuck, do we have our caller? We do. All right, so let me go to the phone line and take our first caller of the night. Good evening.
2: How's it going, Jim? Is this Good to be Derek? back. This is, yes.
1: Hi, Derek. Uh, Derek Howard from SB Unfurled website, podcast, Twitter. Uh, yep. I must tell you, Derek, you really do... Uh, about as good a job as anyone does covering uh, a college basketball team, in this case, the St. Bonaventure Bonneys. As you see out there, you really do a great job. Keep up the great work.
2: Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, my account, basically, I I like doing advanced analytic type stuff, but I'm also a graphic designer part-time, so kind of combine those two interests and so people don't have to sit and look at, you know, just a bunch of numbers or an Excel sheet or something boring. I try to make those uh, more visually appealing. So I, I do a lot of visual graphics and stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot of fun for me.
1: I need someone like you helping me with my website because it's me who has no idea what he's doing trying to put graphics up on the website. Your graphics are tremendous. And now I see you're a graphic designer. That explains everything, Derek. <laughs>
2: Yeah, just as a side hobby. I'm a, I'm a counselor by day, but then when I come home, I do do a lot of designing. So it's a, it's a good hobby to have, especially in the winter here. There's not, not too much going on outside in the evening. So I can definitely, definitely a good time to cover the team.
1: Ah, Western New York. One thing about Western New York we know is cold and snow, having once been yeah. a St. Bonaventure student myself. So, all right, <laughs> let's get right into the Bonneys. How about that?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Charleston, classic was a tremendous tournament for the Bonnies. They beat Boise State. Uh, that was a really good game. Uh, they finished up by beating Marquette, which was another excellent game. They beat Clemson in, in between. Everything was going fantastic. The whole country was talking about the top mid-major Bonnies, and then they lost this past yeah. eight, week in kind of a shocker. Why don't you talk about both the Charleston Classic, riding high, the whole country talking about the Bonnies to all of a sudden we lost out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, the Charleston Classic, we, we, we've we known about this tournament for a couple of years now, and we've been looking forward to it for, for a while. We knew this was going to be a great opportunity with lots of good teams. And I said going into it, if we could get two out of three, I'd be happy. Three out of three, I would be ecstatic. Um, we were down big to Clemson in the second half. I think we were down as much as 16 in the second half. And then we just caught fire. And that's kind of been the story of this team so far this year through six games starting off very slow and then having to get back into these. But you saw that with Boise State and then Clemson. They played very well, and then they just kind of blew the doors off Marquette and were clicking on all cylinders. It was great for our program. It's the first time we've been ranked in 50 years. So to be up as high as, you know, 16 after that and have all the national recognition, uh, great exposure for the program, and then you have a week off, and like you said, Saturday, it seemed like there was just kind of a, a Charleston classic hangover in the building, um, and they let A.J. Green, who's a great player, just go just go bananas from deep. Uh, nine of 15 from three, he scored like 17 straight points in the last three minutes of the first half, and it was just a deficit we couldn't overcome. Um And, you know, I think Northern Iowa, they have some bad losses so far, but they're going to end up being uh, a pretty good team this year in the Missouri Valley Conference. So I think it'll end up being uh, a not so bad of a loss as everyone's making it seem, but it's definitely been a roller coaster of, uh, of emotions the last, last week or so.
1: That's for sure. So I saw all three games in your Charleston classic. And so one theme of our show, Derek has been continuity versus transfers and We've been focusing kind of on the early part of the season on teams that had uh, more returning minutes, more players come back, more juniors and seniors, uh, which is a massive advantage for St. Bonaventure. For folks listening at home, I'll just explain, you can elaborate, but all five starters from last year's St. Bonaventure team that won the uh, Atlantic 10 regular season and won uh, the tournament are back. They brought back all five starters, which is just a huge advantage uh, they're all, I believe, either seniors or graduate seniors. And it's a you know, tremendous talent. I mean, these are really five really great college basketball players starting. They had to change the whole bench, which maybe we could talk about a little, but the five starters yeah. are back. St. Bonaventure is about continuity and about senior leadership.
2: Absolutely. And you mentioned minute continuity. Bonnie's our fifth in the country in minute continuity. Um, and I, I felt like they would – they would be first if you were to ask me because last year they had the lowest percentage of bench minutes of any team dating all the way back to when the stat began getting kept twenty years ago. Um, and it really wasn't even close. So Mark Schmidt played those five guys and really no one else. Um there was there was no help off the bench last year and we thought we were going to get um, quite a bit of help. It seemed like we bolstered up our bench. Everyone other than the starting five left um, transferred and we brought in what we thought was a very very formidable bench but so far um, it's looking a lot like last year where just those five starters and five seniors play and right now we're, I think we're dead last or second to last in the entire country in bench minutes yet again so every time you think we're going to have some depth that maybe the, these starters can get a little help um it's it seems like it's it's only those five who are getting a crack at the court so far. Although, um, so we Although my yeah, wife and
1: I watching the, uh St. Bonnie so far have noticed cuz we've got kind of got a cool name, uh Karim Abdul Kubali, he's got a little bit yeah. of burn. He's the first guy off the bench.
2: Yeah, he is. Um and I we thought he we're hoping that he's going to be, you know, uh a really, really high class backup center because that's something that we've really never had. I don't think a very, very formidable backup center because Oshu and Oshuni are very good center. Um, really no center should be playing 30, 35 plus 38 minutes a game. Um, and he, he definitely needs some help. Hopefully he gets down to like 30 minutes a game. Um, and Koulibaly, who came in from pit, looks pretty good offensively. I think he would be, I think he would start on half the teams in the Atlantic 10 right now. Um so I I am hopeful that we can get a little more help off the bench because that has been definitely a point that people have been making in the last year of just how much these starters are playing.
1: All right, so tell us uh we had the bad moment with Northern Iowa this past weekend, the great moment in down in Charleston. Uh I see this Wednesday night St. Bonaventure has Coppin State. What else is coming up for the Bonnies? <laughs>
2: Yeah, Coppin State, coached by, uh, Maryland Terps legend, Juan Dixon. Uh, they're one of the worst teams in the country. Um, so I'm hoping that, that bench we just talked about gets a lot of playing time and gets some good experience and good minutes. After that, what we're looking at, um, we have, uh, kind of a rivalry game with, uh, UB and then we get loyola Maryland. But then the two, um, really marquee games in this conference, uh, non-conference schedule are Connecticut. In Virginia Tech, I think UConn was ranked uh, up at like 17 today. Um, so that's a, a good game. It's on a neutral floor. We'll be seeing our our old friend Bobby Hurley. Um, that's in Newark on December 11th, and we get Virginia Tech in Charlotte. So we fell out of the top 25 today, but there are some big opportunities on the horizon um, starting starting on Wednesday.
1: So as you know, because I told you this last year, you may remember. That I have a real conflict on Saturday's game. I went St. Bonaventure undergrad, and I went to Buffalo for law school. So uh, tough game for me to watch, as you could imagine, Derek.
2: Just root for the Bonnies, you know. You <laughs> root for the Bonnies. You know what to do.
1: I know what to do. All right, and then on December 11th, that's a big time game against UConn. Uh, if you could get yeah. a win there, if the Bonnies can get a win, uh, that would be huge.
2: It really would, and I watch UConn a lot this weekend. They look very good. They look better than I thought they would. Um, and down low, that battle in the paint between Oshun and Sonogo uh, for UConn, I think it is uh, that's going to be really good. They got some very good players. Um, so I, right now, UConn looks like they could be a top four, top five seed in the NCAA tournament. They're that good. They look like they're def- they could definitely get to the second weekend. So this is going to be a big. Measuring stick, I think they're one of our peers this year in, in that range of uh, of rankings if you're going by team. So it's that'll definitely be a good one.
1: All right, so December 11th, UConn, December 17th, huge games for St. Bonaventure. UConn on the 11th, December 17th, Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm going to withhold comment about Saturday with Buffalo. I'm just going to have to watch that game objectively if that's humanly possible. Uh Derek? Yeah. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much for coming back this year. You helped us last year. Let's keep in touch and let's keep talking about St. Bonaventure basketball.
2: Definitely. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much.
1: Go Bonnies. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. All right. That was Derek Howard from the SB Unfurled uh, website uh, and podcast. They do great work, folks. Uh, If you like St. Bonaventure, go check out the great work Derek Howard's doing for St. Bonaventure. All right. And we have our next guest ready to go, and that is, Patrick Madden from the Big Big East blog. Patrick, are you there? Yes, I am, Jim. How's everything going tonight? Everything's great. All right, so what is in your head right now about Big East basketball? Uh, Big East teams were all over the place last week on Feast Week, going to different uh, places in the country to play basketball. Anything that you saw that uh, you're thinking about?
3: Well, let let me talk briefly about Connecticut for a second, because they had – probably the most exciting week. They were down at the Battle of Atlantis in the Bahamas. They played three big games. One was probably the college basketball game of the year in terms of the quality of play between Connecticut and Auburn.
1: Great game.
3: A double overtime game. Great game. Yeah, and uh, Isaiah Whaley played big. Tyler Polly played big in that game. Uh, And it was a back-and-forth battle. uh, And, you know, you could just tell that both teams left it all out in the court. Uh, and then they lose to Michigan State on Thanksgiving and then come back and beat a VCU team that they were probably better than, but VCU forced them to go to overtime. Uh, so it was an exciting week for Connecticut. Uh, Georgetown had a bad week. They went out to California for the uh, Wooden Legacy Tournament. They lost to San Diego State. And then the next night they lost to St. Joseph's in the Atlantic 10. So there's a lot of, Conne- a lot of Georgetown fans right now on edge. Uh, and then the third one would be Xavier. They played at the Legends Classic in Brooklyn. Uh, they had a few players out because they had the flu. Uh, lost to Iowa State on Wednesday, but then beat a very good Virginia Tech team on Friday night.
1: I saw that. I saw part of that game. So, um, yeah, Xavier, you know, I'm not quite sure what's going on with Fremantle. Uh, I hear that he might be coming back.
3: Yes. There's rumors that Fremantle might play on Wednesday night. Okay, in playing Central quite- Michigan. And then... Uh, they're, they're almost all but counting on him being back for their big game uh, later this week at Oklahoma State. I think it's Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. It's part of the Big East Big 12 battle. So they're hoping that Fremantle will be back. They're also hoping some of the guys who are out for the Brooklyn tournament, like Kobe Jones, uh, is going to be back for that game as well.
1: Xavier has a lot of talent, and if Fremantle comes back, they can beat anybody in the Big East. Uh, UConn, uh, look, uh, looks really good. I saw parts of all their games in their tournament last week. Uh, it, they're, they're a really solid team. I picked them second. I'm still sticking with them as second. Villanova won. Now let's go to number four because, as you know, Patrick, I am a St. John's fan, and I don't like what I'm seeing with St. John's.
3: They're not playing well. I think you sort of have to – Posh Alexander was hurt. You know, he was in the walking boot last week. He came back for NJIT. You couldn't expect him to be 100%. The question becomes that, I mean, first of all, I think the roster's not the best matchup for Kansas, where they're playing that big, Big East, Big 12 game out in Long Island on Friday night. I don't know if the front line of Soriano and Wheeler and Stanley can match up with a talent such as David McCormick for Kansas. The key to that is, how much pressure can Alexander and the St. John's guards assert on the Kansas guards? Can they force turnovers? Can they score points off of turnovers? If they can't do that against Kansas on Friday night and Kansas gets into their half court, their advantages on the inside are going to cause St. John's a lot of trouble.
1: I, I agree. I think they're going to have a tough night with Kansas. But again, let me just go back. Uh, they played fairly Dickinson. They end up winning by 14, but that parts of that game, it was very close uh, then they played St. Francis in Brooklyn and only won 76-70. That game was really close. They could have lost that game. And then they go to overtime against New Jersey Institute of Technology. So my, my problem here, Patrick, is that if you're struggling with St. Francis in Brooklyn and NJ, NJIT,
3: what are you going to do against Kansas? Well, I mean, again, you've got you to gotta take into account that Alexander didn't play in the St. Francis game and that he was trying to work his way back off a foot injury in that NJIP game. Now, I'll agree with you, Jim, that you'd like to have St. John's playing a lot better than they have over the past week. But then again, look at where Kansas is coming from. Kansas lost that game down in Florida to a Dayton team who, frankly, they had no business losing to. So Kansas is going into that game at the Garden, at UBS out in Long Island, with some similar issues to what St. John's is facing. They struggled with Iona yesterday. So uh, I I mean, in that sense, I mean, Kansas is not coming in their best and St. John's is not coming in their best. The question is, because K- Kansas is better man-to-man on their roster, will they have enough talent to offset a great atmosphere at St. John's? It's basically going to be the biggest non-conference game St. John's plays this year and probably their last chance to impress the NCAA Tournament Committee with a quality non-conference game.
1: So just, I know it's not a Big East, but let me just take a minute and say, Dayton, what the heck? They lost by games to <laughs> UMass Lowell, Lipscomb, and Austin P. And then they go out and beat Miami, Florida, Kansas, and Belmont. I mean, have you ever seen such a team that uh, that's Jekyll and Hyde like Dayton?
3: I mean, it's college basketball. I mean, the joke I had yesterday was that Dayton won more games in Florida this weekend than they've won in in Ohio so far this season. Good one. So, I mean, What does that sort of – I mean, who knows what they – they're they're well-coached. Anthony Grant's one of the best coaches in the Atlantic 10, if not in college basketball. It could just be something where he's trying to work his roster in, and when Atlantic 10 play comes, you might see the real Dayton Flyers. They're they're supposed to be tough to beat at home, but again, with the losses you're mentioning, all of them at home, you know, what does that tell you? It might tell you that Dayton just is off to a slow start but could be a threat when it really matters come January and February.
1: Well, they're young. Dayton's young, and they're going to keep getting better. And I do think they'll be a a much stronger team in uh, conference play. Now, let me jump around a little bit. I know you're a Seton Hall fan. How are you feeling about your Seton Hall?
3: Uh, I was not as disappointed as most of the other Seton Hall fans with yesterday's game with Bethune-Cookman. Yes, they only won by 14. Yes, they were losing at the half. Uh, I think Bethune-Goodman the King Cookman, to their credit, played a lot better game than people were expecting them to. And I think Seton Hall, Seton Hall was up by 25 with two minutes to go, and then they put the backups in. So that's why the margin of victory is only 14 points. So I think it's something they play a big game next week against Texas at the Prudential Center. Uh, so they got some work to do. We're waiting for Miles Kale to come back from a groin injury he suffered in the Fort Myers tournament uh, last week. So I think when Kale comes back, I think that that should make Seton Hall very competitive in their game against Texas next week.
1: Well, we're going to be on different sides soon, Patrick, because I'm an Iona fan, as you know, and Iona's playing Seton Hall. That should be a really good game. I'm looking forward to that one.
3: Yes, the one on the 18th. Yes. Uh, you know, so that all ought right. to be a good one. The Garden should be rocking for that.
1: Should be fun. All right, next question. The poll Is the pool better than we all thought?
3: Yes. Uh, Javon Freeman-Liberty. Uh, he was Biggie's Player of the Week the first two weeks of the season, and he uh, was an honorable mention this week. I don't know what Tony Stubblefield did. I think what he did was he gave him the ball and he told him to run with it. Everyone knows Freeman Liberty was a very good scorer when he transferred into the uh, poll from Iowa State last year. But what they didn't know, maybe because he was being underutilized, maybe because he was playing the off guard instead of the point guard, was you know the the ability that Freeman Liberty had to pass the ball. We know he could shoot, and now we know he can score a little bit. So he's the engine that makes the poll go. And if some of their other players, there's a, there's a nice little forward there called David Jones, uh, who's go- who I think is going to be a pretty big star down the line. And then they have a center who is developing really nicely in Nick Ogenda. Uh, so that's a team that you, gotta be, you might have to be careful of with your big expanse. They play a huge game on Saturday against in- in-town rival Loyola of Illinois. Uh, so that would be a real test, you know, because Loyola's bringing almost everybody back from the team that made the Sweet 16 last year. They're also going to be well-coached. So that's going to be a good test to see. That's a good measuring point as to where the DePaul might be when they match up against Loyola next Saturday.
1: All right, we're running down. Uh, we have about a minute left. Uh, Villanova, everybody's top team in the Big East. They've got Syracuse on December 7th. Baylor on December 12th. That game's on the road. We're going to learn a lot about Villanova in those two games, aren't we?
3: Absolutely. I think that they're trying to develop some more rotation pieces. I think they realized in their loss to Purdue and their loss to UCLA that depth is an issue. So it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks what they can get ready for that big game against Baylor. I'm not too worried about their game against Syracuse, the games at the Garden, of course, uh, ESPN game. I think they have enough talent to beat a team like Syracuse Baylor is a different story. And Baylor's red hot because Baylor won that tournament in, the, in, in Atlantis, and they sent the message this weekend that if you're going to win that national title, you're going to have to grab it out of their hands.
1: I agree. All right, there's the music, Patrick. Perfect way to end the show, uh, or this segment of the show. Thank you for being part of our show again, Patrick. You're a great guest, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, Jim, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, that's Patrick Madden from the Big Big East blog. All right, we're halfway through the show, folks. We're going to commercial break. Uh, We're going to come back and talk Providence basketball after the break. I'm Jim Massano. Please stay with us.
3: The most fun in the morning. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX.
1: 1460
0: WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing
1: basketball. Okay, folks, it is Jim Masono, the host of College Hoops Chat. We're just beginning the second half of our show tonight, and we have a guest on the line, and that would be Mike Surrett from the Providence Crier website and podcast. Mike, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Jim. Thank you so much for calling in and being part of our show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Great. So, Providence Friars, you've got a a really well-done podcast and website, the Providence Crier. Uh, Why don't you tell everybody about uh, your website and podcast? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, I worked for the PC Hoops team. I graduated in twenty twelve, and um, you know, after that, I I love sports, so I decided to do a blog to follow the team. Um, so we got a blog, and then did a did the podcast about three years later, and
1: uh, yeah, just have a lot of fun covering the Friars. Absolutely, and they're six in one, year Friars. So you're off to a nice start. Only loss is to uh, Virginia, uh, although. Um, you got a nice win against Wisconsin. I thought that was something that made all the prior fans very happy. Other than that, you got wins like in Stonehill and Fairfield and Sacred Heart, uh New Hampshire, uh Northwestern. Well, oh, that's a good win too, 77-72. So you got a bunch of good wins. Uh so coming up, I see uh that you've got Saint uh you got Texas Tech. That's going to be a tough one, I think for uh Providence, but certainly a winnable game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, PC, the last few seasons have had their struggles uh early on in the season with some head scratching losses, but uh so far, so good the Wisconsin win was huge um, uh you know beating the Northwestern is a nice win as well. you know, having Virginia uh hit you with their pack line defense and hold you to forty points wasn't so nice, but yes, huge week ahead for the friars um the Texas Tech game, they come in undefeated. Um, they haven't played too many you know, uh, competitive opponents yet, but they're 6 you know, they t- score a ton of points per game. Um, have just been, really been beating, beating the brakes off the teams they've been playing. So it certainly will be a tough test for the Friars at the dunk
1: on Wednesday night. I agree. I think that's going to be a really good game. Uh, we don't really know that much about Texas Tech, but you look at the roster. Uh, they brought a lot of transfers in with the new coach. You have the Chris Beard left. So that's still a solid team. That's going to be a real challenge uh, for Providence. The other, I also thought this last Saturday night, you know, St. Peter's, you, uh, Providence beat 85-71. to 71. That's a very good team. Uh, you, that's not a team uh, that loses usually by 14 points. Uh, they, they're competitive with anybody. So that was a good win, too.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, P.C.'s faced two teams now in the MAC in Fairfield, and uh, St. Pete's, and I was impressed with both of them, to be honest, especially St. Peter's. Uh, I thought their defense was excellent. It uh, is. Just the, just the way that they uh, pressure the ball, um, you know, really gave us fits for early on
1: in that game. Absolutely. So then, um, after Texas Tech, you got Rhode Island. Uh, Rhode Island's a yep. good team. That's another tough test, and it's kind of like a rivalry game, right? Oh yeah, it's, uh,
0: I would say it's probably one of the more underrated rivalries in college basketball. Uh, the, the Battle of the Ocean State, PC URI, Um, you know, PC's had somewhat of a stronghold, but, but URI's co- got a couple the last few years. Um, but they didn't play last year, so, and URI, uh, URI fans are quite upset about that. Um, but, uh, they, they claim that PC, you know, held them off the schedule, but the rivalry is back, it'll be at the dunk on Saturday, Two great games this week
1: for the Friars. Uh, I mean, I'm really excited. I agree. Texas Tech on Wednesday um, at home, and then uh, yep. both games are at home. Rhode Island on Saturday, December fourth. Uh, those are two good tests. We'll know more about Providence after those games. After that, Vermont's always tough. Uh, they've uh, always been a solid uh, mid-major team. Then you got Central Connecticut State. You better win that one. And then December eighteenth, yep. we're opening the Big East.
0: Yeah, I know. It, it, it's amazing. It's already here. Um yeah, so, you know, PC has a chance to at least, you know, win, either win out or lose maybe just one of the remaining games in the non-conference. Could put them in a great spot to start the Big East. And, yeah, just like you said, uh, December 18th at UConn, um, they'll be the first time PC and UConn meet with fans uh, for a handful of years now. So, right. big setting.
1: So, we like Providence here at College we have Kenny from Rye, who is our, our infamous caller, who called every show uh, for two years now. And we have Peter DiBiase, who is also one of our callers. Uh, Peter is currently a student actually broadcasts the games for the student radio. So he's a very impressive young man. Uh, so we do follow. I have to tell you, the one game that really shocked me, you brought it up already, but uh, I was a little shocked that Providence could only score 40 points against a University of Virginia team that's actually kind of struggling in the season, uh, surprisingly. Yeah, you know it's funny you say that because
0: I uh, we did a podcast episode after the Northwestern game and my prediction was you know maybe not so much prediction but my biggest fear was us scoring forty points against Virginia and what happens they end up scoring wow. forty points against Virginia um, you know you're right Virginia is not the Virginia team that we've been accustomed to the past uh, few seasons. I'm actually, uh, I got them on right now in the background. They're losing to Iowa. But, um, you know, something about Tony Bennett and his pack line defense, I I just had a bad feeling that that, that our offense could be in for a long night, and unfortunately that was the case.
1: I agree. All right. So when I watch Providence, the guy who jumps out at me because he's like an old-school Big East big man is Nate Watson. He's back again. He's got a ton of experience. Uh, Tell us about Nate Watson.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nate Watson's just been phenomenal pretty much throughout his entire PC career. Um, You know, he's battled some knee injuries uh, over the past five seasons, but he's fully healthy this year, and man, oh, man, I mean, he's a load down low. Um, You know, you look at this college basketball season as a whole, so many good big men out there, yet here's Nate Watson, and I think when it's all said and done, he he could be up there as a top five, top ten big in the country. And you're talking about a season where we have a ton of good bigs between Timmy, Coburn, and you name it. So um, Trevion Williams, to, to name another. But uh, Watson's just been a force. He, he shoots close to 70% uh, around the rim. And, I mean, can't ask for much more than that, right?
1: No, he's a really good player. And, he, and he's been for years now. Uh, he's kind of an yep. old-school player, and I like to see him. Uh, so the, I guess the other guy that when I've watched Providence this season – it uh, seems like a really strong transfer that adapted very quickly. Uh, is Al Durham who the, uh, Providence got from Indiana? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, you know, w- we saw Al Durham in um, the, the the holiday tournament that we played in last year, and he, he killed he killed uh, the Friars. So Ed Cooley was thought to himself, why not? L- let's bring him aboard. And uh, at IU, you know, he, he didn't get a ton of opportunity to have the ball in his hands a lot. And that's what he was looking for when he came to Providence. And I'll tell you, he's been a re- revelation. Just his experience level, his comfort on the court, uh, and just calming presence has, has been massive for the Friars, I think.
1: Yeah, 13.4 points per game. Uh, a real great addition through the transfer portal, that's for sure. Now, last year, now, last year I uh, saw Noah Horchler play a bunch of times because I'm a St. John's fan, and he's one of those guys on the court that he's kind of annoying when he's on the other team, but you'd love to have him on your team. And I see he's averaging uh, 11.9 points a game, so he's really kind of stepping forward as not just uh, a role player. He's uh, starting to become a bigger scorer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Horkler
0: came in from from North Florida two seasons ago, and at first it took him a while to to get used to the speed and physicality of the Big East, but um, you could see it towards the end of last season that he was really coming on. And now this year, I mean, he's really putting it all together. He had is probably his best game as a, as a fryer against St. Peter's, 25 points, 11 rebounds, five assists. Um, he's, you know, he's a perfect fit to compliment Nate Watson because Nate Watson, like you said, back to the basket score, whereas Horkler is, you know, pick and pop, can shoot the three, um, you know, and can also score inside as well. So he's a little inside-outside. So I think he compliments Nate really well.
1: All right, so my next question. Ha- having watched Providence a lot as a Big East fan the last couple of years, it always seems to me that what holds Providence back from being a clear NCAA team the last couple of years is point guard. Uh, I think Jared Bynum's your point guard. Uh, how's that going?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Bynum came over from St. Joe's, uh, t- took the reins as a starting point guard last season, and then he had a, uh, a hamstring injury that kept him out, nine games, and PC ends up going three and six in those games. And short in the shortened season, three and six is uh, not what you want to see. So, you know, Byron's been up and down a little bit, but, uh, you know, he, he's got to keep – I feel like with more experience, more repetition, he's only going to get better. And you look at, um, you know, Lewan Pipkins came over from UMass to Providence COVID season um, before the season was cut. By COVID, I should say. And it took him a while to, to get it going, too. And then he was unbelievable down the stretch. So I think Fire fans are, are looking uh, for the same out of Bynum. And, you know, he,
1: he's definitely a guy
0: that can be a table setter for this team. So
1: okay. definitely an important piece. Uh, I, I, critically important, right? Because uh, uh, the point guard's got to make this team go because you have a, a lot of other players on the wing and down low, like Nate Watson, that you know are going to be uh, the type of players that are going to help you win a lot of games. The question is the point guard, so I'm always watching Jared Bynum. All right, my last person I want to talk about, because my son goes to the University of South Carolina. They got a transfer, Providence did, uh, Justin Minaya from South Carolina. I'm a big fan. I just noticed as I'm looking at the stats, he's averaging more rebounds than he has points. I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but he's a great role player. He started for South Carolina. Uh, what do the Providence fans think about Justin Manaya? Yeah, I mean, one thing that,
0: that's usually characteristic with an Ed Cooley coach team is one that's very good defensively. Uh, in Ed Cooley's 11 seasons, he's had a top 50 Ken Palm defense, um, I, I believe eight times. And, uh, last year they did not. So I think it's, it's no surprise that Cooley went out and got a guy like Justin Manaya from South Carolina because he really brings you know, great defense, great hustle, makes those, those dirty plays. He's really a glue guy for, for PC. And unfortunately, he was out with an illness in the last game. Uh, PC probably could have used him as the game was pretty close in the first half, so. Absolutely. But, but, Nye's been a great, a great asset, I think. Uh, and I just think he fits the culture of PC and, you know, a, a good, a similar player. Uh, Ladante Henton joined the coaching staff this past year, so
1: hopefully you know, he can help Mania even more. Okay, last question because we're bumping up against our break. The question is, do you think Providence will make the NCAA tournament this year? Yes or no? Yes, I do. I think they'll find a way. All right, Mike, thank you so much for the call. Let's keep in touch. Hopefully we'll get you back on the show another time. All right, Jim, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. All right, Mike, from Bye. the Providence Crier, all right, I'm Jim Masano, Kyle, Troop Chat. We'll go into our final commercial break, and then we're going to come up and finish the show uh, with some more callers. We'll be right back, folks.
3: Everything you need to get started in the morning. Every morning. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tonic. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX.
1: 1460
0: WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing
1: basketball. Okay, folks, we're back for our final segment of the show. I'm Jim Maysano, the host of College Hoops Chat. We're here every Monday night from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Thank you for tuning in and being part of the show. And I understand our number one caller is on the line, and that would be Kenny from Rye. How are you, Kenny?
4: James, how are we doing?
1: Very good, thanks. So I hope you enjoyed having the Providence Crier on the show.
4: Yeah, he was, he was a great guest. And as I mentioned to you before, he does a really, really good job in, in his uh, blog on writing after the games. You know very, very good insight instead of just repeating kind of the scores and everything else like that, so I've enjoyed reading it recently.
1: So how do you feel about this Texas Tech battle on Wednesday night for the Providence friars
4: you know I've been looking them up i I haven't seen much about them I mean obviously they have a good history, obviously they lost their coach as you mentioned some transfers obviously that that that's obviously they're going to be their struggles incorporating you know a wide range of transfers. but I think you know again, you know they have a great history and uh so I expect it to be a good battle. I mean, Providence has got a few good games coming up. They've got that. They've got URI where you can throw the um, the records out the window in a sense the heated rivalry to some extent. And then UVM, as, as you and I know for a number of years, is a really good program. Coach does an incredible job up there and is always one that's uh, kind of, a, I guess you'd say, one that bigger teams are afraid to play sometimes.
1: I agree. Good luck to the Friars in those games. All right, let's quickly talk about... The heavyweight battle on Friday night of Duke and Gonzaga. Duke ended up winning a really great game, 84-81. What do you think?
4: I mean, I think, it, I think it was great overall. I mean, it was obviously a great game, and, and, you know, you know, and, and it, build, it lived up to its billing. I think what, what's amazing, though, is what, what Gonzaga has put on its calendar in the first part of this year, or, or really over the course of the last two weeks. I mean the the schedule they put together and the teams they play not only from a standpoint of the quality of the teams but the travel they have to do and everything else is really amazing. So you know I, I look at all of these games. Although the UCLA games just seemed to get got a little out of control, although they were missing um, one of those key players, uh, you know I think you look at you look at all their games and you'd have to say you know clearly this is going to be an enormous benefit for them. Obviously they go into a conference that is clearly not as strong as any, anybody else relative to the ACC, the Big East, the Big Ten. But these games give you a measurement of where they are and from a perspective of what they're going to do, you know they're only going to get better throughout the year through practice and games. So I think it was a great game. And Duke has lived up to what, as many have said, is is, um, Krzyzewski's last year and the best roster he's had in a number of years. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, But they lived up to the billing of what I've seen so far, and and I think them going into the ACC tournament are the clear favor. I was really impressed with Mark
1: Williams in that game. Seventeen points, nine rebounds, five blocks for Duke. He's someone who started slow last year as a freshman, played much better, like in the last few weeks. But you kind of forget that that he got uh, much better by the end of the season. That's that old line, Kenny. Uh, there's no freshman uh, in February in college basketball. They're they're practically sophomores at that point. Uh, but he played great against Gonzaga. Yeah,
4: I think also as, as you've mentioned a number of times, and, and, and the callers have mentioned a time, certain players struggled a little bit last year from a standpoint of you know not not having the summer workout sessions and then you know the, the the social distancing practices or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, there were a lot a lot of players that really struggled with that from a perspective that they, they would have benefited from the practice, he being one. So I, I never go off of last year from a perspective of if someone's hyped up and you know they're expected to do well and then come back after a somewhat of normal off season. So Williams is playing up to his billing, and, and he benefits.
1: So, all right, so let's switch subjects. Uh, that was a great game, and, I, and I, uh, I was a little surprised Duke won. I thought Gonzaga would win, but it was a great game. All right, let's go to another great game, and that was Thursday, Thanksgiving night, where the Iona College Gales won their second biggest win in program history, 72-68 over number 10 Alabama. Iona's D was strong all game from the, the ball toss, the Iona D was excellent. They had a great game plan uh, to stop uh, Alabama with their three-point game plan, which is real, pretty dominant normally. They had a ridiculous block shot with nine seconds left by Barrett John-Louis to preserve the victory. Iona moved the ball really well. They had twice as many assists as Alabama. Uh, Nelly Junior Joseph, 15 points, 11 rebounds. And then the thing I was really impressed with was freshman Walter Clayton off the bench with 15 points, now we've seen him, Kenny, so far. You could tell the kid's a talent, but never thought he'd show up with 15 points against Alabama.
4: Well, particularly because he had 12 points in total over the course of the first handful of games. So obviously, that was a big shock. Sure. And I think, as you were mentioning, from Iona's perspective, and I think uh, you know Coach Patino has mentioned that they're not the greatest outside shooting uh, team. So that night they shot better than they had than they had in the past, and I think that was really the difference from a perspective of not only their defense, which he expects every night, but their offense. And the offense is a little bit helter-skelter. Obviously we saw it the next night going a little bit cold. And then in Kansas, which I thought was a little bit difficult to judge, I just thought Kansas was a little bit physically imposing for them from a standpoint of size, particularly under the basket. Um, but that game against Alabama, you know, defense, as he said, wins games. And then the offense will come. It won't be there every single night, but it will come. And that...
1: I agree. The defense won the game for Iona over Alabama. It was terrific. And then Iona's got a second-round game against a very tough Belmont, a team last year uh, that was terrific. They were 26-4 and four last year, Belmont. And Belmont um, and Iona was very close. Iona had a big comeback. Uh, the game was extremely close. Um, but in the final seven minutes, Belmont just played a lot better than Iona. Uh, Belmont returned all five starters from a team last year, again, that won 26-4. and four. Uh, The uh, interesting thing in the game was both teams' best player was their center. Iona with Nelly uh, Junior-Joseph and Belmont with Nick Masinski. So that was a very interesting battle with Belmont. Uh, Iona, the first time this season where Iona didn't play well down the stretch, Belmont played better. What do you think of that game?
4: Well, I mean, it, it's the running joke, obviously. In every anybody's NCAA pool, is when Belmont gets in, what are they going to do? I mean, it's it's the college everybody knows, but no one knows where they're from because of them making the uh, you know the the big dance there. So, I, I, as you get as you mentioned, you have a lot of these teams that have quote unquote super seniors, and you have that as you mentioned today at Saint Bonaventures, and I think it's an enormous advantage from a perspective not only a team that did extremely well like Belmont did last year. But also just from expecting coming back and you, you've got that team one more time. So, you know, you, you I don't want to say you freeze time, but from a perspective of they they're hopefully they're only gonna get better and you know and less selfish and you know, the whole situation is, is just kind of a, a win win for them. So that again, let's call them super senior teams, I think are enormously dangerous not only now, but I think also going into you know the March Mays. You won't see that panic down at the end. I agree. I think Belmont's the kind of team,
1: a younger team, a newer team with a lot of transfers uh, like Iona, need to learn how to beat. And they didn't beat Belmont uh, on Friday, but that's a, that was a good game for Iona. Uh, look, Belmont was impressive. Smart, older, experienced players. Uh, they played strong team basketball. They were just more fundamentally sound in the final seven minutes. Uh, Iona couldn't match them. Uh, but again, I think that is a good learning experience for Iona. I agree. And then in the third game for Iona, they hit a juggernaut. Because on a fluke, Dayton beat Kansas. They end up playing uh, Kansas in their final game, when probably normally everyone expected it to be Dayton. Uh, Kansas played uh, very well, and it was a tough game for Iona. They didn't really match up well that night.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I watched it in piecemeal, and then I watched the highlights. And The one thing I took away from it, as I mentioned earlier, is just the physical difference. I mean, K- Kansas loads up on a front court every year with, you know, three or four guys, six foot ten and above, and that clearly came out, uh, you know, in that game. Or, you know, I own his, you know, tallest player is probably six eight six nine. So, again, not unexpected. And obviously, as we all know, Bill Self is not a very nice guy coming off a of loss. So I can imagine they heard it in the locker room the night before. Uh, Or the night after the Dayton game, so you knew they were going to come out on fire. But from Iona's perspective, being six at this, this, six and two at this point, you know a tough loss to Belmont, but a great team from an experienced side, an unbelievable win over Alabama historically, and then a good experience game for Kansas. I mean, Iona is in good, good position heading into the next part of this year. Let's point out, Kenny,
1: that Iona has a game this Wednesday night. They're starting the MAC conference. I'm kind of shocked that it starts on. 12-1, At 12-1, December 1st. Uh, they're playing Marist uh, on Wednesday night, and then Kenny and I will be there Friday when they play Ryder uh, at home at the Heinz Athletic Center, 7 o'clock on Friday night. So uh, Ione is jumping into conference schedule very quickly here.
4: Absolutely, and I think it's also worth giving a, a shout-out for the MAC conference also uh, for Mamas' win over Cincy, which was a great win and a great win for the MAC itself coming into the season. So, you know, I've penciled in, you know, February's Third, I think it is, for the Iona Mammoth game at Iona. So, you know, the Mac is looking very good. And as you referenced before, St. Peters, I watched the St. Peters Providence game. St. Peters is a very good team. They made a, a few mistakes the other day and got themselves into foul trouble quickly in the second half, and that kind of rear ended them from a perspective of any sort of charge that they can make. But the Mac looks good. So I think Iona's going to have a few games uh, that are closer than expected from what, we, what we've seen so far.
1: I agree. You look at Mammoth, uh, you look at um, a team like Fairfield, uh, they gave Iona a tough game last mm-hmm. year. Um, you look at um, St. Peter's, uh, there's a bunch of teams in the MAC that'll give Iona a game. They're going to have to be their best every single game in the MAC conference. The MAC's better this year for sure. Um, I think that's pretty clear.
4: Absolutely.
1: All right, Kenny, the music just popped in. So that's uh, the end of our chat. This is Kenny from Rye, uh, actually, Kenny Nixon. So, Kenny, thank you for the call, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, James. Thank you. All right, folks, that's the end of the show. I'm Jim Masano on College Troops Chat. We'll talk to you again next Monday night, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, here on WVOX.